Welcome to Archie Digest, the Riverdale podcast. This is a podcast that's about a story that's about a town. And this week, it's not just a digest. It's a double digest because we're talking about two episodes, Chapter 29, Primary Colors, and Chapter 30, uh, The New Titans. My name is Chris Hayner. My name is Craig Byrne. My name is Russ Burlingame, and I heard that as The New Titans. Oh, I'm sorry. The New Titans. It's been, no. a, it's, it's been a long time, gentlemen. We're out of, like... This cannot be the new Titans. There are no bad wigs in it. Yeah, I'm all rusty. We, we also cannot be the new Titans. Yeah. Personally. Uh, yeah, we're gonna... We have two episodes to get through because it's been a while since we've done this. Uh, yeah. It's, it's currently Sunday night before the uh, the musical episode, which is... I mean, I, two of us have seen it. One of us has not. It is a, it is a weird hour of television, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later because we've already got enough to get through tonight. And because it's been a while since we watched the episodes, we might be t- not be as in depth as usual or as long as usual. So forgive I, us. I will still have things to complain about though, because that's kind of what I do. Right. So, you know. Yeah. Well, and. Here's the thing. Uh, let it let, uh, we, let it let it out, Russ. I know what you're dying. Here we go. Yeah, we talked about this before the episode started. Uh, these last couple of episodes, I I, I liked uh, the, the News Titans a lot more than I liked Primary Colors. But just as in general, I am not feeling it. This like as we're heading into the second half of the season, the way that I was this time last year. Yes. And so part of the reason that like once we missed these things, it was like it was like, oh, man, we're going to have to do two episodes and we're going to have to like we're whenever we're not completely positive. I'm like half the people who listen are going to want to kill us. <laughs> but I, I'm, <laughs> but, I'm just saying up top, like I'm usually the one who is like the most positive, who tends to spin things in a positive way, even if it's not my favorite. And I just, I don't think I've got the energy for that tonight. So probably it'll be a good thing that we're short. Well, and here's the thing. Uh, you you say, you know, last season around this time, we were all much more excited about it, much more wrapped into where the story was going. Here's the problem. We're on the, this is the 16th and 17th episodes of yeah. season two. By this point last season, it was over. So That's like, true it's, it's, it's obvious Riverdale, and this is something, this is sort of, I not a complaint, but like a critique I've sort of thrown at the show since the beginning. It is a show that tries so hard to pack so much into every episode. And at 13 episodes, it was a lot at 22 episodes. I'm just, I get tired and yeah. I like, I still love the show and I'm always excited when I get an email notification be like, Oh, you can watch a new episode of Riverdale. I'm super stoked about it, but man, like sometimes, I'm glad it's been taking these little vacations like every few episodes because I feel like it's a little vacation for me to let my brain get caught up. 
And there's some things that your brain can't even wrap your head around. Like, why would Andy Cohen show up for a print interview? <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot that what? happened until just <laughs> now. <laughs> They're like, hi, I'm TV's Andy Cohen. And I'm, and he's he's being the Andy Cohen character, very charismatic and enigmatic, like as if there's a camera there. There is not a camera there. He introduces Veronica as if she's the next guest on his show for a print interview. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, I just... Was that wait? Was that was that primary colors or the new Titans? That was primary colors. That I just opened up a recap, okay, and that's what reminded me. Wow, Andy Cohen! What a wild ride that was. Lodge family close personal friend, Andy Cohen. You guys. Yeah, that yeah. didn't. That just seemed like a random gimmick, and I don't know that Riverdale necessarily needs random gimmicks at this point. I kind of feel like it's the opposite. I kind of feel like they're using the popularity of. Riverdale among the youngs to push other product. Like Love Simon? <laughs> <laughs> Which episode? Of, wait, was that in Primary Colors also? Or if we already no, seen... no, that was The Hills Have Eyes, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. It was it was the one where half the cast goes to the mountains and the other half the cast goes to the movie theater and stays there for three days. And, and by the all... way, because that's a Fox Searchlight movie, I uh, I identified it as an indie film, and I got yelled at by uh, by a huge Love Simon fan on Twitter, who was angry that I had mischaracterized the, the movie. It, Fox Searchlight is an indep- is a, is a smaller indie studio. Yeah, I'm not going to get into whether I like. I, I'm just I'm sharing that because I'm like, yep, that's 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 where we're at right now. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. It's an indie film, and if someone wants to come at me about it on Twitter, bring it, because I'll argue this shit into the ground. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. And I guess it was in the News Titans that um, Cheryl was watching old school movies with Kevin Keller and Moose in them. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it took me a minute to remember, but yeah. Because uh, it wasn't really old school movies; it was like Reefer Madness. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was weird. I say that as a fan of the movie Reefer Madness, and yeah. a fan of so the of the movie musical Reefer Madness, the musical. I kind of feel like these last couple episodes, and like the Andy Cohen of it all, and the the like rapid fire way that the whole Sh- uh, Cheryl thing played out. Mm-hmm. And now going into Carrie the Musical, I feel like the show has made a conscious decision to become like high camp or trash TV. Like I, I remember a lot of people constantly referring to it as like the greatest bad show on TV. And I was just like, oh, come on, guys. It's, it's a legit good show most of the time. Uh, this season, I feel like they're really trying to embrace the like, they're Real Housewives of Riverdale. I feel like they're definitely embracing the case. I mean, this is a this is a show where in at the end of Primary Colors, which was uh, the sixteenth episode, Cheryl is committed to uh, like uh, like a brainwash the gay out of your daughter like home, and two episodes later, she's starring in the school play. Yeah, 
Like, that's insane. Even on this show, that's insane because, as we know, the Riverdale timeline hasn't moved very far. So that's been, like, conservatively a week. And it's only been, like, seven months since her brother died. Yeah. Oh, it's... it's Yeah, there's... There, there is a lot going on. And the, the problem, not the problem, but like one of the things that's happening with the show is there are so many storylines all happening at once and all competing for like the title of primary storyline. There's, there's terrible mobster Archie. There's now Archie's dad is running for mayor. So that's wrapped into there. Uh, there's the Chick Cooper of it all. And which Chick Cooper freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Like no offense to the actor who plays him, he's creepy as hell. So some offense, I guess. But like no offense to the actor <laughs> who plays him, but like he's a creepy character who looks creepy. And then at the same time, there's also like Cheryl's dad is back, but it's not her dad. It's her dad's identical twin brother with like a different haircut. And they're trying to kill grandma, and they're committing her to an asylum. And and it's it's like when's the down week? Yeah, in this town. It's when they do a musical. How are all these kids not in so much therapy? I one of the one of the things that is interesting to me is that there doesn't appear to be a like school psychologist in the show. Right? Why not? It seems like a no-brainer considering how like traumatic every element of every day of their school has been for the last you know, for the basically for for the last seven months or whatever it's been. It's, I, like, I feel like I need counseling from watching the show. (laughs) Like, there's been so much going on that has put me through such a litany of feelings up and down the board that, like, I need to talk to someone about it. I don't know how they're getting by. That's what we're here for. (laughs) Yes, that's what we are. We're the Riverdale Therapy Group. Exactly. Uh, And, and yeah, I think, I think maybe that's, all of this is kind of wrapped up around why it is that I'm just at a point in the season where I'm less engaged than I was last season, because I I do feel like one of the things we talked about last year was that as much as we adored the show, it was like a shot of adrenaline in your heart and going for 13 episodes meant that it could just keep the gas down the whole time. Mm -hmm. And we talked at the end of last season about the idea that, you know, cause when uh, Marisol told us they were probably going to get 22 episodes, we were just like, man, that's awesome. Cause it means that they can space some stuff out and they can pace a little bit better and it won't yes. be quite so insane. And, and instead, no. yeah, what they've done is basically just said, okay, well we'll floor it for 22 episodes now and just hope that everybody doesn't fall off the, the ride. Yeah, and I also feel that some of the, like, quote-unquote, big twists they tried to throw at us are things that were pretty obvious. Like, the whole thing about Chick that, you know, Alice admitted that Hal is not Chick's dad. Duh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. His dad is clearly a gremlin. We all agree with that, right? Yeah. No, his dad is FP. Ah, FP FP don't make ugly kids. Come on. (laughs) Again, no offense to whoever this actor is. I don't remember his name. Oh. I feel like a real bag of dicks right now for, for classifying him this way. I take it all back. I'm the worst. I'm an ugly schmo, so ignore me. 
Well, at least this did lead to us getting sort of finally getting some phallus, as they call us, call it, in uh, primary colors. Nope, not gonna call it that. Yeah, I know that's uh, what the kids call it, but I am not one of those kids. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I, Bughead notwithstanding, I don't think that I've ever really bought into like shipper names for things. And Bughead, I just kind of did it because, like, Bughead is such a fun word. Um, I think they all sound dumb. Yeah. Like, oh, so this is the thing. Was, was uh, Primary the Colors the one where Cheryl is like, I'm, or no, where Veronica's like, I'm running for president. And then Betty's like, I'm also running for president. Let's do this. Yeah. And so, then the next episode is where Veronica has the Varchi t-shirt going on. Yes. This is the thing that yeah. kills me. Veronica's wearing a Team Varchi shirt. I'm pretty sure Betty is wearing a Team Bughead shirt because either she runs with Jughead or Jughead runs with the, I don't know. But then uh, Josie and who's Josie running with? Reggie. 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 Don't they have a like a, a Rosie? Team, team Rosie shirt? Oh, I, I'm like, I don't know, but this yeah. is all coming to a hot topic near you next month. Okay, that, so, that's exactly so what I was that's ex- that was my thought. I'm like, oh my god, this is a commercial for merch. This whole episode is a commercial for merchandise that'll be coming to you soon that you can wear when you go wow. see Love Simon after you yeah. watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. That's right. <laughs> Only on the scene. To be fair. To be fair, I legit went to a Hot Topic for the first time in a really long time so that I could purchase one of those Scooby Natural shirts. Oh, they made Scooby Natural shirts? Yeah. yeah. I, That's mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but Hot Topic has an internet web page. I know, but... Hot Topic does have know, Riverdale merchandise. Although some of it is like very like poorly designed. If it makes you feel better, today I ordered like a vintage Universal Studios Hollywood t-shirt with the DeLorean on it. Nice. Oh man. I had like winner. I actually had a Universal Studios Hollywood shirt with the DeLorean and I lost it. So I'm sad. Well, now, now you can look at mine and relive your memories. Exactly. The same day that I bought the uh that I bought the Scooby Natural thing, I also went to the Think Geek store and bought a Blockbuster and Chill t-shirt. So, that's my contri- contribution to the Think Geek has a store? Uh, they have, like, pop-up stores and a handful of places. And, and there's this mall in Syracuse where, in spite of the fact that it's in Syracuse, they're harboring the delusion that they're going to become, like, a tourist center mall. Oh. And, and half so of our they, listeners uh, asked, what's Blockbuster? That's true. That's true, man, because we have those... We have those those young listeners. No, it's 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 a thing. It's very much like when Lily didn't know who uh, Katie Holmes was. Yeah, I think she knew who Katie Holmes was. She didn't know, know who Joey was. Calm down. Um, so <laughs> they're the same person. Yeah. How's your Dawson, How's your Dawson's Creek podcast going? I don't Brad? want to talk about it right now. I haven't had time to do it. I I'd much rather sleep, which I also don't get to do. Uh, hopefully, something soon. Once cool. I have my nights and weekends back for the first time in a year. Um, Looking forward to hearing it, though. Oh, one day. It's the 20th anniversary all year long. It's true. Uh, so, back on... back. Primary on colors. Primary colors and the noose. 
So Ke- Kevin told Chick about everything. Yeah. Because Kevin is apparently a terrible, terrible judge of character. Kevin is like, bad at a lot of like that's a not only is that a bad judge of character, that's a dick move for a friend to make. And like I don't understand why he doesn't get how upset Betty is. That baffled me. I was like, of course she's upset. You just told to the what the person she doesn't trust that she was trying to get up get to the truth about him. You're like, why are you so mad? Like this like Maybe you were the wrong one. Like Betty's been your friend since I don't know. You were eight. I'm assuming. I don't know. I wasn't there. They haven't sh- like flashed. I don't know. L- little Kevin wasn't in the Little Archie comics. Well, that's a comic book. This is a TV show, Craig. This is real life. Okay, it's a different <laughs> thing entirely. So, like, but like, clearly the two have been fr- like she cl- she calls him her best friend. Uh, I don't know if she does it on the show. I just I was reading the. They sent us a playbill for the musical episode and in in the playbill there are uh little bios written by the character about the character and she says congrats to her longtime best friend director kevin keller for realizing his vision and much love to her boyfriend jughead jones uh because that's what you it's funny everybody every all everyone's uh bio talks about another character and how proud they are of them or thanking them or and everything Except yeah. for except for Veronica, <laughs> who, ju- who just who just thanks her parents for their love and support of the arts and thanks nobody else. Damn. <laughs> Sorry, Archie, who thanks his girlfriend for always being there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so like, like that was a very long sidetrack. I apologize. <laughs> All to say that clearly those two have been best friends for a very long time and it's like it's just forgotten by Kevin and like that would drive me insane it's a weird thing because I do like we had the conversation at the time that it's super sketchy for her to have essentially pimped him out in order to try and suss out the truth Yes, and so I get like I would get if he told him because he was feeling either guilty or violated or some other thing Mm-hmm. But telling him just because he's like, no, you know, once I got to know him, he's a good dude, feels like such a like weird violation that doesn't make any kind of character sense for him. Absolutely. Uh, although it does kind of make character sense because this is the kid who like is the son of the sheriff in a town where there's been a string of like murders and attacks and he wants <clears> to like <throat> go out jogging in the woods. Uh <laughs> Bro, he's so got to I, hook up. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like I, I really do feel like Kevin is making some really terrible decisions, and it's an interesting situation because, like, the you know there was some criticisms last season of how little kind of LGBT representation there actually was on screen mm-hmm. when you considered how friendly the like staff was, right, and. So to have Kevin, like, essentially making these terrible, terrible decisions because he's thinking with his dick when he's, like, the, like, the spokesperson for gay characters on this show. I mean, I guess you can, it's not like he's the only one anymore, but it it feels like a weird creative choice. But keep in mind, Archie made a ton of dumb decisions when he was thinking with his dick in season one. So it's an equal opportunity thing. thing. 
It is the thing where they're teenagers and teenagers are stupid and do stupid things because of hormones. But like Kevin always seemed to be at least partially above that. He was he seemed to be one of the smartest characters on the show. True. Yeah. Right. And it's weird to me that he would do something that like that's why it was so weird to me he'd do something so stupid because he hasn't been portrayed that way before. Yeah, I would have gotten it more if, say, he had, like, run into Chick, like, at the grocery store or something. Like, hey, I know you. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Like, there there were ways to handle that that would have made so much more sense than the way they actually ended up handling it. And again, that kind of makes me wonder whether the original script had something a little bit more involved, but you needed to cut for time because there's seven plots going on. So eventually it just became, okay, he told him. So many plots. To me, it's funny because I feel like, well, there's a lot, like, everybody is making really poor decisions right now. Every, almost mm-hmm. every character is doing stupid things. And some of, like, I don't think a lot of it is poor characterization or poor writing. I think there's a few people where it's like you don't understand why they would do that. But mostly, you get their motivation, so them doing stupid things is kind of okay. But I have reached the end of my tether with Archie. Like... He's so dumb. I'm just... It's not even dumb in a playful way anymore. He... Because he because he, his, he loves his girlfriend so much, he's flat out gone... Nose... Took, taken a nosedive into the mafia. Yeah. Like, Can it makes no sense. Can we talk about how the mafia guys' names are Lenny and Carl, like from The Simpsons? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and, pa- and Papa Poutine. Well, Papa Poutine's dead, though. May he rest in Poutine peace. Exactly. So we but, also, yeah, yeah Arch, Archie, Archie, I, he, everything they're doing with his character, and every reaction he has to everything he does is driving me insane. Because he's compl- like he knows what he's doing is wrong. He's yeah. not like he's dumb. He's not immoral though. Like that, right. that and th- those are two very different things. He's a very moral guy who do- who makes dumb choices. But now he's getting in with literal murderers, and yeah. th- you like it's hard to come back from that. And I, I'm sure. Write it off in a way, and he'll be very apologetic, and him and Fred will hug it out, and like, oh, it'll be fantastic. But it's so problematic for what they're doing to the character of yeah. I, I will say, as much as we really were not impressed with her performance last year, I, I don't think anything made me more happy in these two episodes than Mary Andrews just yes. like smacking him down. <laughs> Oh my god! As yeah, I don't think any of us were big fans of like how Mo- what Molly Ringwald brought to the show in season one. She was fine, but she was just fine, and then she was gone. And yeah. it wasn't really all that. And the show was the show was so great and so fast paced that having somebody who was just kind of fine and kind of running at her own speed, it was weird. But I, uh, this season, she's not fine. Like she's killing it. Yeah, she's absolutely. Doing so well. And it's like it's what I wanted from her last season, which is a like an active like she's an act she's playing an active role in her son's life, and she's like, "Look, you're being a dick. Stop being a dick. 
Your dad sacrifices everything for you, and yet you continue being a dick. But then at the same time, it's kind of weird that she's back in the way that she is. It makes you wonder why she left in the first place. Well, I don't think she's back permanently. I think well, I know, but like, I do we have we has it been established what state that have we've talked about this before, right? I don't know. I don't know no. where Riverdale is. No, there's a lot of Chicago or something like upstate New York, but Chicago oh, okay. seems to be the. Like, Chicago seems reasonable because Mary moved to Chicago and like it was right, like, and that's like, what I was thinking. She could spend time coming back if Mary is if yeah. She, yeah. So like that makes sense to me, and I I like the fact that they're using her more than they did last season, and that they're actually giving her stuff to do as opposed to just kind of being yeah. there. Um, yeah, last year I feel like her function was just to be like, "Holy shit, guys, it's Molly Ringwald," and yeah. that was supposed to sell it. Uh, whereas this year they like they were like, "Look, it didn't really, it didn't explode the way we wanted it to last year. If we're gonna bring her back, we need to do something interesting with her." And now it's, holy shit, guys, it's Archie's mom. Yeah. And that's important because the parents of all of these kids, moms and dads, Hal to a lesser degree because he's Hal and he sucks. But, like, they all play pretty (laughs) – they all play – and I guess Jughead's mom because she's absentee. But, like, the the parents all play pretty important roles in the show. So having – having Archie's mom sort of be that other presence in his home life, even though he's, he sucks right now. So bad. He sucks so bad. It's driving me crazy. Uh, like, I think that's a good force to have, especially like Fred is a very, he's, he's very honest, but he's also, he's way too giving of a parent. Yeah. Like if Archie fucks up, which he does constantly daily, hourly fred still gives him like that uh, gives him rope to sort of have his freedom and he's like no and he yeah. and he won't and he won't tell archie if he's actually upset about something i think Mom, too that like look dick you are screwing yeah. everything up yeah i also think too that because they have set up the <clears throat> because they've set up this rivalry almost between Archie and Fred right now. It's valuable to have Mary because she can approach it as kind of a devil's advocate character. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the things that she's saying, if you had Fred saying them, they would fe- they would seem self-serving. And especially because Riverdale is a show that appeals largely to an under 30 demographic. And so the the reality is most of the time, like the parents aren't going to be the good guy when there's a confrontation. And right. so I, I think it's really smart to bring in a kind of outside voice that can essentially be the bad guy and make him re-examine himself in a way that Fred can't because you ultimately don't want half your audience to sour on a character who's going to be there every week. Right. Which, which is fair, but also like, <clears throat> there are so many times when I'm like, I wish Fred would take a more, like, take a tone with this kid. Put him yeah. in his place. Because he needs to be put in his place. Like, not, like, ha- with Fred the way he is, like, it's, Archie just kind of spins out and he joins the mafia. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is that at the end of the day, last season he did a lot of stupid things, but they weren't things that made him like unsalvageable as a person. Well, no, last because last season they were teenager stupid things like, oh, I'm yeah. gonna quit sports and play my guitar. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, oh, I've got a super hot teacher that's into me. I'm gonna sleep with her. Not a normal teenager thing, but like a thing that like has happened in the world. Right. Uh, like he had, a, he had a string of like, he had, he had two or three girlfriends where they were just together for like an episode. Remember when he dated, uh, Val, that was a thing that feels remember like when, it was years ago. Remember when they did a Riverdale musical and Valerie and Melody didn't show up. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk about that right now. That's another episode. I know it's sad. It's so um, much too sad that they weren't there. Yeah. Uh, but, like, there were so many things he did last season that were dumb, but they were, like, teenager dumb. Now right. he's doing, like, felony dumb. Yeah. And he's willingly doing it. He's not getting suckered into it. He doesn't think he, – he he's he's not convinced he's doing something else when he's actually doing it. He's flung, like, I will do whatever you want, Mr. Lodge. Yeah. Oh, this fucking kid. Uh. Side note, by the way, because this was a thing that it, it totally evaded me until I was doing something else and it popped up. Uh, so Ghostwood, the like ostensibly luxury housing project that the Horns were building in Twin Peaks back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the like financing and all that crap fell through, by the time the new Twin Peaks came around, it became a private prison. Oh, and I'm just like just like Southside High. Yeah, Uh, it's just like to me the like his whole claim, like all throughout last season, they talked about like the Sodale project as like, oh well, all this this uh, upscale housing is going to bring money into Riverdale and blah 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 blah. And then at the end of the day, it became an end run around oh, well, we want to make a private prison and people are going to need places to live. So it's not really upscale housing. It's just that we're going to hope that the, you know, guards are allowed to unionize or something. Right. Um, but it just, it was a thing that I had totally forgotten that because it was not a major plot point in the new Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, it came up in a separate conversation and I was like, oh, wait, just like Riverdale again. <laughs> um so that was a, a just a side note on Lodge Industries and their uh, continuing attempt to mirror uh, Benjamin Horn. You know, I did like in tonight's episode that they brought up Evel's issues with uh, Veronica and her family again. Yeah. Because yeah. so, you know, it's like you were talking about the stuff they were doing in season one. Well, that was a season one thing that's kind of revisited again. Yeah, and I actually really like the way that they did that because... It's it's very realistic in the sense that she essentially let Veronica into her life because she was seeing that Veronica is a better person than her parents were and that Veronica was trying genuinely and that she was hurt genuinely by what her family had done to this person. And so Ethel essentially lets her in because she sees all the ways that she's not like Hiram. And then this whole season has been just Archie and Veronica doing their best to assimilate to Hiram's way of life. And I love the fact that that rubber band finally just snapped and hit somebody in the eye 
<laughs> it's everything bad happening is the Lodge family. Yeah, am I wrong? No, because, it's because this was also these were also the episodes where Jughead went on a hunger strike, which was the fun part of the like the silly part of the episodes. Like, I just want a hamburger. Yeah. Um. But then, like, he did that thing where, like, him and the serpents chained themselves to Southside High, and and Mister Lodge. Hiram sent Archie in there with bolt cutters. Yeah. And Archie did it without thinking twice. Yeah. Archie, he's he's the least trustworthy person on TV. Yeah. And because it's, it, he, he has no loyalty to anyone as soon as the next person comes along. Yeah, and it's it's funny because speaking again to like the Ethel thing. And to some of the, like, I've, I've literally, it's funny, all last season, I was like, Veronica is my favorite character. Like, she was smart, she was strong, she was badass, Cammy's gorgeous, like, there's, there's, like, this is a, a, a character that you could just watch all day. Mm-hmm. And in these two episodes, like, the moments that made me the happiest were always when somebody was, like, dunking on Archie and Veronica. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's telling that the, and I, and again, I, I think a lot of this thing is like, it's creative decisions. Like, cause there's, there's bad writing and then there's like a creative decision that I just don't happen to agree with. And it's not technically bad writing, but it's still something that doesn't appeal to me. Right. So like, I don't think that this is being written quote unquote badly. I think that these are still good writers who are doing like what they set out to do. But what they set out to do is just exhausting me, and I'm not—I'm yeah. just not yeah. into it. What they set out to do is to keep a keep up a pace that, mm-hmm. as a viewer, I have trouble keeping up with. Especially we're in a, like in a world like in a world in a <laughs> world where in a world where like there's so much TV, like I don't also have time to keep like. Okay, Veronica Mars. Did you guys watch Veronica Mars? Yes. Veronica Mars was a show that always had so much going on, and it always jumped around to different storylines, and it aired sporadically. Like it aired on a very weird uh, pattern, and it was the kind of show where I had to keep notes of things that would happen. So, like when the next episode came, I'd be like, okay. This is where we were at this storyline. This is where we were at this storyline. Okay, cool. That was before peak TV. That doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to keep like copious notes for every show that decides to pack in too much storyline. And Riverdale's packing in like 20 times as much storyline as Veronica Mars ever dreamed of. Well, so, part of that is just a practical thing, which is that Veronica Mars had a town where there were like five good people and everybody else sucked. Yeah, they did. And so Neptune. You you couldn't spend a lot of time with most people in town because they were not likable characters. Riverdale has the op- opposite problem. There are so many likable actors and so many likable characters on this show. They're trying to give everybody the the time that they quote unquote deserve and it's damaging the put entire them, show. Put them all The musical I will I this is what I will say as a preview for the musical. The musical does a good shot, good job of having everybody involved in one thing. 
Yeah. Like, and it's a, it keeps a pace that I was so able to keep up with because they're all sort of revolving around the same story for this one episode, even if it's clearly, uh, like, if it feels like it's out of canon because, like, <laughs> the dynamics that have been set up for the whole season up until now are largely ignored. Uh, people who are mad at each other seem kind of okay with each other. Uh, but there, as you say, there are so many compelling characters we want to look at, we want to watch, and we want to follow, but they're all doing different things. And just team them up more. Put them together. Do something. Like, every, last season, there was a lot of stuff going on, but there was one main thing. It was the Jason Blossom murder and how everybody in town fit into it. Yeah. Why aren't we doing something like that anymore? Let me ask you guys this. What is the big what is the big overarching storyline of this season? Go. Hiram. Is it? Where does Betty fit into that? Where do Betty and Jughead well we're no Jughead fits into that? Where does Betty fit into that? Betty's too busy at home with maybe her brother. Maybe Chick where does was Cheryl Blossom for- where where does Cheryl Blossom fit into that? She doesn't. Yeah. Like well, last and, and- season everyone was involved in the Jason Blossom mystery. And I think part of that is the fact that last season they much more effectively communicated the idea that this is essentially a small town with small town problems. And so this thing was like a rock dropped into the water and there were ripple effects to everybody. <clears throat> They've gone and the opposite season, way. It's like a tsunami. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. They've gone the opposite way this year. They tried instead of having like a small thing reverberate outwards, they tried to have Hiram, who is essentially this outside force, uh, come in like a wrecking ball. And the problem is like, yeah, technically you can draw a like three degrees of separation to how he affects everybody. But your question still kind of stands because if you have to do gymnastics to explain it away, it's not really the same thing as Jason Blossom. Right. I shouldn't have to do math to figure out how everyone connects to Hiram. Uh one thing that's a, a, an, another kind of odd side thing, uh, the Noose Titans the, is the first, as far as I can tell, I think the first episode of Riverdale that is not named after anything that is that was turned into a feature film. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think... I, I'm pretty sure that the the the... It's named after another kind of noir mystery kind of book from the 70s. Okay. But as far as I know, that that book never got turned into a movie, and kind of a cursory look at IMDb seems to back me up on that. Right on. And so this is the first episode where the subtitle post, you know, after the chapter uh, was not a movie. So just an odd thing that's worth mentioning because... Once you've gone 29 episodes and you break that pattern, it becomes, oh, that's worth noticing. You know, like if next year Arrow decides like, oh, we don't need the Springsteen title for the penultimate episode, then it's worth noticing (laughs) six of them before they stopped. Um, But uh, now, can I, we've been talking a lot about the less good side of the show. Mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on something I love that they're doing. What's that? And that's the relationship between uh, 
Cheryl and Tony. Yeah. It's like those two are amazing on screen together. And it's injecting. Uh, we saw little glimpses of goodness in Cheryl last season, mm-hmm. but nothing very sustained. And I feel like the relationship with Tony is injecting more of that. And I, 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 I that I love that storyline. I love that it's giving new dimensions to Cheryl, and I love the chemistry that the two those two have together. I also love that it's giving more dimensions to Tony, who. Before now, it was just sort of like the girl serpent. Or the girl who would get in the way of Bughead. Right. She didn't really have a clearly defined role in the show. Now she does, and they're sort of growing out that character, and they're growing it out in a really cool way that is also growing out Cheryl. Yeah. I I really like like that a lot. She's a good addition to the cast. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like. I kind of wonder whether that was always the plan or whether they saw the chemistry those two had and said like, okay, let's lean into it because they're the only complaint I have about the way that they've tackled that storyline. Cause everything, everything has been really great, except it seemed to just kind of come on like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And that's fine as long as the relationship like turns out to be interesting and you can figure out why these people would have found each other in the way that they did. Mm-hmm. But it did feel like when it happened, it felt like, Oh, well this is a thing the internet wants. And so we'll do it. That's and, fair. and again, like uh, this is speaking as somebody who like I too, a wanted that and B think that they've done well with it. I'm just saying, I wonder if that was always the plan or if it came later. Well, didn't they establish Tony as bisexual when she first appeared? Yes, yes but she was also just... bi in the comics, so I feel like okay. that was... I didn't know I, that. I, yeah, yeah, she's... And, and so I feel like that part of that was just making sure that they weren't un... Uh, I don't know what the term for, like, whitewashing is when it's LGBT. But, like, you know, I think that you would want to... Straightwashing. Yeah, straightwashing, is that what it is? Okay. Think so. But yeah, they probably, and again, like going on the assumption, which is very possibly an incorrect assumption, that they didn't have it planned all along. They, you know, you could explain it as being like, okay, well, they wanted to make sure that everybody knew she wasn't being straight washed if she was going to have some kind of thing with Juggy. Yeah, it was like I, I'm, I'm glad it's. I don't know. Like, I also don't know if this was always a plan. I'm glad it's gone in the direction it has, though. And I love the way it's playing out because it's, it's adding, it's making those two characters into so much more. And also, it's a good <clears throat> story. It's a good story. Like, it, it's sort of shrouded in awfulness because of Cheryl's mom. But like, at the heart of it is a really good, uplifting storyline that we don't see very often on this show. And by very often, I mean ever on this yeah. show. Like, I also... There's a lot of brightness in Riverdale. Like, I love the whole rescue in the new site. Yeah. And, and you oh know, God, when yeah. Cheryl and Tony, like, kiss in front of the movie, and it's just like, finding that right moment, and then it's like, cool. Yeah. yeah. I also really, I think that putting her into a... Like one of the things I think is really well considered is the way that they put her into a lesbian relationship because she's a person who is almost completely defined by her parents' failures. And so having 
revealing that, you know, this isn't new. I've always been by, and my parents simply lost their shit when I came home with a girl. Right. It, it makes it, first of all, it fits so perfectly into her character as previously established, but also it gives her a really interesting place to go. That's totally consistent with Cheryl because like little things like having her bio in the, uh, in the playbill say my girlfriend and then in parentheses, yes, my girlfriend, like that is such a Cheryl thing. Like, hold on, let me pull this out. Oh yeah. And so to me, I'm like it giving her a support system when she's up against incredible odds and also giving her kind of a very personal machine to rage against. It works so well with Cheryl as defined Mm -hmm. because, you know, you can 100% see her actively seeking out something that she knew would both make her happy and make other people miserable. And so when you turn, when it turns out that her parents are homophobes, it's like, oh, this is perfect for her because it serves both her emotional needs and also the sense of her being kind of the, the person who needs to be at the center of every, center of every controversy. I would, yes, absolutely. Um, oh, and there was one more ridiculous thing I wanted to touch on. That has nothing to do with Archie, which is kind of nice. So, Chick or maybe Mama Coop, someone killed a dude in the Cooper kitchen. Betty and Jughead ditched the body terribly, so badly, so badly. Like, they're really bad at ditching bodies, which is shocking because Jughead is in an outlaw motorcycle gang. You'd think that would have been somewhere in the lessons. Um, it's true. So they're they're <sighs> they found the car. They find the car. The woman, the the woman who was on the phone, comes to the Cooper house and demands money. She's like, "I'm going to call them." Wait, Chick, Chick calls, calls her. her. That's yes. what drove me nuts. Oh, Chick sucks. Uh, and demands. I'm going to tell them that you killed him unless you give me $10,000. And the solution is send in the biker gang. Yeah. Every step of that, everything I just said sounds insane. Mm -hmm. Everything. Everything I just said sounds utterly ridiculous of they killed someone. They ditched the body. I guess the ex-girlfriend or something of the dead body shows up and demands money to keep their secret. The biker gang shows up, says, we'll kill you. Yeah? You, well, you, for, you forgot the whole step about sending a miner to go pick up $10,000 from oh the bank. Oh my god! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Allison, she's like, honey, go to the bank and d- withdraw $10,000. This is a small town. I, to be fair, Everyone I kind of feel like know. she just forgets that they're miners. That's yeah. what to be well, yeah. Because at this point, hasn't Betty moved out? And oh yeah, that was last week. Yeah, she or... moved into the trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's back now, but yeah, there's a lot. There, there, there's a lot going on on this show, you guys. 
but Chick Cooper has been kicked out of the house. So that's something. I will say that while the, every aspect of it was terrible decision making, uh, that was one of the genuinely great moments in these two episodes was when the serpents show up and it's just like, nope, this story's done now. Yup. I, I agree. It, it felt a lot like this is how we're just going to end it. But again, that's how I, that's what I thought about, uh, the snake charmer. What's her name? Penny Peabody. Penny Prentice? Yeah. Penny Peabody? Yeah. Peabody. Peabody. Uh, and then she kind of came back, but then kind of went away again. So I know you never know. I, uh, I mean, the bad news is that per episode descriptions, he's back in three, Chick is back in three weeks and up to some shenanigans. Well, also, I don't, so I don't want to break your heart, but Chick is in the musical, so. Mm. Yeah, he's, yeah. Sorry, bro. Spoilers, well, I guess? Not Chick really. Is, is Chick the Black Hood? Oh, the fucking Black Hood. No. Oh, speaking I'm, of, oh, I'm sorry, I need to back up a little bit. What about Chick telling Alice, like, oh, look, here's Betty's wig. She probably has sex in it. Yeah. That was a bullshit move, too. That was probably, again, something that Kevin said, because Kevin apparently is a terrible friend. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, yeah. By the way, one of those conversations that we haven't really had in a while, because it seems it seems to have just been forgotten by the writers. Jeff Keller. No, Stop. no. You know who? You know who Stop I think it. is the is the Black Hood? Sheriff Keller. Claudius. Ooh. Claudius. Oh. Oh. Fake dad. Yeah. So you can have the same bad guy two seasons in a row. I still think Claudius oh, is uh, what's his face blossom. But Clifford? didn't Cl- didn't Clifford yeah. flat out like bullet himself? Maybe he bulleted his brother and hung him up. Oh my god. That's my theory. I'm sticking yeah, to it. I'm also very that. plausible. Yeah. Um But that's a thing that I was talking about with somebody from work the other day. I was like, wait, what if this is like what if it's literally Clifford Blossom all over again? If it's literally the same actor as the bad guy. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty funny. Uh, and it would totally track in terms of like the age and the and the like the you know reddish eyebrows and blah blah blah. And blah. you know you say that now, Russ, but you know in about two weeks we'll find out that like HR is the bad guy of Flash season four. Yeah. <laughs> so which makes like, me getting the same bad guy is not a new thing. No, it's no, it's not. I'm, the only reason I thought that it would be a thing that. Riverdale would do is because A, it just feels like a thing Riverdale would do. And yeah. B, it feels like such a Twin Peaks thing mm. that in my continuing efforts to point out all the similarities between these two shows, I'm just like, yeah, I could totally see that being a thing. Nana Rose was poisoned with Tannis Root in Primary Colors. Yeah. Uh, Tannis Root is, as far as I know, not a real thing. Uh, it was, it's the poison from Rosemary's Baby. Oh, that's clever. I, and I think that it was literally invented for Rosemary, like it's not an actual thing. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's always been my, uh, my understanding. Right on. But, I like it. Um, trying to think of anything else that's like a wacky thing that stuck yeah. in my head. Um, yeah. 
I really didn't like the dark circle thing, but then again, I didn't really like the red circle thing. I don't love the idea of Archie and Reggie deciding that the like local sports team equals vigilante group. Here's the thing. And, you know who shouldn't be the moral center of this town? Archie the mobster <laughs> and and Reggie the lunatic. Like, no. Yeah. Stop it. Nobody and, nobody on this show has the moral high ground. Absolutely nobody. Maybe Ethel. Yeah. What what about Agent Fake Name wearing a black hood? Oh god. Oh, god. Yeah. Yeah. Um Fake Name. Rest in peace. Yeah, I was gonna say he's dead now, right? Because I, 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 I couldn't remember which of the two guys actually ended up uh, buying it in that episode. Because I don't remember anymore either. Papa Poutine. I'm pretty sure it was him and the Andre still around. Um. Oh, we got a uh, we got Smithers back though. Yes, oh, yeah. we got Smithers back. It's nice that to was, know he's alive. Yes, that was the thing I remember, and that he still cares about Miss Veronica. Even though, as far as I'm concerned, Veronica is a villain on this show now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can I also just say, just because we we got back into the into uh, the the dark circle of it all, in terms of what you were saying earlier about magnitude of stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so when the serpents show up at the Cooper house, I'm like, this is a terrible decision. But it's exhilarating, and I understand like how desperation led you to this point, and it's the devil you know, and blah 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 blah. When the wrestling team car bombs mobsters, I was just like, there is no part of this that no. makes any kind of sense whatsoever, and every single one of these kids would have been dead before they rounded the corner of the next building. I hated that, like. That yeah. th- that's the thing. Riverdale is a show that requires you to take log- like sort of leaps in logic. But like there are points where even it goes way too far beyond the realm of like anything remotely possible. And that right. might have been the biggest one yet. And I also feel like the like Oliver Twist quality of the Pray the Gay Away uh, place had already kind of set the bar really high for where we had to stretch our suspension of disbelief. Yeah. But it paid off so nicely that you were able to kind of roll with it. Right. And also, frankly, I really liked that subplot because like we got to see a bunch of the students at Riverdale getting together to do something objectively good as friends instead. And it was for of, like, Cheryl of all people. To plot. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, there was a lot of reasons that the Cheryl plot was palatable and the Dark Circle plot was a bridge too far for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that having the two of them in the same episode was a mistake because the Cheryl thing was so cartoonishly over the top that I had kind of spent all of that, like, intellectual goodwill. And... Yeah. I was pretty happy with the investment I made with that intellectual goodwill. But then somebody came asking me for more and I was like, I'm tapped out. Hmm. Which is sort of the moral of the show. I'm tapped out. Yeah. There's so much. There's so, so, so much. that I'm like, 
I just, I, I, everybody just hang out under one roof for like a month. Yeah. I just need, I need them yeah. to all go away to camp. Can we just, can they all go to summer camp and that can be next season? If they do, man, it's going to be Jason. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Um, At least they'll all be involved in the same place. Yeah, no, but I do agree. I think I think we're at a point now where I would like to see the show be more like, you know, name one of the 70 like teen dramas that the CW has done over the years. I I, I feel like Riverdale as like Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like I feel like Riverdale as like the crazy over-the-top noir version of a high school drama has kind of tapped that vein one too many times. And that I would like to just, like, I love these characters and I would like to see these characters interact with one another in an interesting and meaningful way that isn't just constantly waiting for the next shoe to drop or waiting for something to literally explode. Uh, I, I, I kind of, and I don't know that we're ever going to get that. And I don't know, like if we're going to get into season three and I'm going to just straight up tap out. Like if, if I'm gonna, I, I don't know how much energy I have for it. If they can't like make it a show where sometimes like the good guys get a win. Right. Um, and that's like that's really the moral of these two episodes for me is I'm just like the the far and away the parts that made me the happiest were the parts where either the good guys got a win or the bad guys were being punished because like I said it's like two weeks worth of episodes seventeen plots going on and the three things I really liked were Tony and Cheryl Mary slapping down Archie and uh, the the serpents coming to the rescue, even though it's objectively a terrible decision. Um, and I also, I really like, by the way, the, the serpents as a whole, like their, their weird, complicated morality of like, we hate you, but uh, we'd rather be loyal to somebody we hate than, uh, you know, not answer the call. Right. Uh I, I kind of dig that about them. And again, I, I kind of feel it's weird because I feel like the people who are supposed to be like our heroes this season have been really hard to like. And there's so many kind of oddball side characters uh, that I'm just sitting there going like, yeah, like I love anytime there's a scene with FP in it. I'm like, okay, this will be good. Anytime there's a scene with Cheryl and Tony, I'm like, this will be good. Right. And it's it's just it's exhausting because like it, it is such a great ensemble, but I feel like a lot of the time we're not getting the most out of it because the stories with Archie and Veronica are just so like it's so far gone at this point. Like it, you made the the like the comment about Arrow. It feels like an Arrow arc. Like it feels like one of those things where I'm like everybody's doing the wrong thing and all of them know better, and I'm annoyed. And the end. <laughs> That does sound like Arrow. Yeah. 
I don't know. And, and like I said, we're going to see our subs, our subscriptions drop by like 40% between this episode and the next because they're, they're going to be like, okay, well, this is a fan podcast. Um, well, but here, I mean, here's, here's the thing. We are fans. We're fans, but we're also, we're also TV critics. We look at things from a critical point yeah. of view. It's not a perfect show. No show is a perfect show. Uh, and yeah. while there are things going on now that we're not fans of, uh, there are also things going on that we are fans of. And there are also things where, Again, Russ, you haven't seen it, but like I expected to flat out hate the musical episode that airs this coming Wednesday. I don't know when this episode is going up, but it'll air this coming Wednesday. And I didn't hate it. Like I, I really liked most of it. There were a couple of things about it that I'm not a fan of, but like for the most part, like I enjoyed it so much more than I thought I was going to because when Riverdale goes too serious it can be sort of taxing when Rifferdale goes weird though oh man I am excited to be along for the ride and that is an episode <clears throat> that taps into the absolute weirdest side of the show and I'm so glad to go on that ride and that's why the the sort of the weird heightened reality pieces of these two episodes uh like the breakout from the asylum slash uh, conversion therapy center, whatever it was like, that was a really good piece of TV. And it was a piece of TV that brought like Cheryl and Veronica and Kevin and Tony together for one thing to where it was all concentrated on this single thing. Like that's very exciting. You know, you're saying that. And also just talking about the slog of some of this, makes me think they really do need to do an afterlife episode next year just to break the monotony. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I I mean, take a break, do afterlife. I think, I think that's what's so good about the musical is it's, it's a bit of a reprieve from like, don't get me wrong. You're still going to get some of like the lodge family drama and the Archie and his dad drama. But like, for the most part, it's a, it's sort of a little reprieve from all that stuff. While the kids put on a show. Well, I'm sorry. While the kids and Alice, for some reason, put on a show. <laughs> and, and, like, it's it's weird and it's fun. And that, that, to me, is when Riverdale is at its best. When it's embracing its weirdness and how much fun it is. Because this is, like, at its heart, this is a very fun show. And it's a very bizarre mm-hmm. show. It's such a weird take on the Archie comics... Uh, IP that like it's doing what another show that I'm a big big fan of uh, Gotham is totally crushing what people normally think of Batman this is crushing what people normally think of Archie comics and instead tackling it in its own new weird way and I love it when it does that there are just times when there's so much going on and I I I am someone who always thinks to the future, who's like, okay, but if you're doing this now, how do you reconcile that for whatever comes next? And I have a hard time. I'm sure they'll come up with a way that they think adequately does it, but I'm going to have a hard time reconciling that Archie, like, joined the mob. Like, he was a 16... And I also have a hard time with the mob being like, you know who our best recruit is? This 16-year-old who's banging my daughter. 
Although to be fair, at this point, it seems like he has nobody else. Yeah, he's also a terrible mobster if he has no family. But yeah, so yeah, it's and just I don't... Like, there are pieces of it where I'm just like there there's there's weird and there's taking the logic leap way too far. And I feel like there are pieces of it that are taking the logic leap way too far, but there are pieces of it that are perfectly embracing this sort of hyper reality that is Riverdale. And and beyond that, there are pieces that are character like these beautiful little character-driven pieces like Cheryl and Tony that are done so well, they stand out among everything <laughs> else happening on the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Long story short, I still love the show. I just don't like it all the time. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I think uh, we all are. And that's know. why it took us so long to record this episode. <laughs> I, I just like the fact that I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, is perfect for us because we're all like 20 years older than any of the characters on this show. Yeah. So we're we just, could, it's a very paternal. Uh, <laughs> I could, in theory, be a father to any one of these kids. Yeah. Because they're all about 16, right? Yeah, I think so. I could definitely be any I of mean, their parents. We are which all freaks older me than Miss Grundy. Well, literally, True. almost everybody is older than Miss Grundy. True. Oh yeah, uh, that's all I have to say. It's fun. It's also funny. Can I just say that, like, for all of the like, for all of the shit that that Sarah Habel took and that the the show took for the Grundy storyline, I'm like, you you couple up Grundy next to some of the stuff that's happened in season two, and you're like, yeah, that was pretty tame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Archie wasn't complicit in murder. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Uh, but, uh... Although neither was uh, Betty or Alice uh-huh. or all these other people who are kind of complicit in murder. Is there literally anybody in the principal cast who's not been an accessory to murder at this point? Does Josie count? Mm. Uh, I mean, she's a regular, so sure. Okay. So Probably Kevin. Uh, no, Kevin probably had something to do with some murder or somewhere in the woods. That's, that's I mean, offensive. Josie, Josie did murder Stephen Amell on Insta- or on Twitter the other day, but that's... Oh! I feel like the message that everybody's getting through from this episode is that, is that we're tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, to be fair, it's, it's 11 o'clock p.m. here in California. It's like 6 o'clock Thursday morning wherever Russ is. So, like, we've all been yeah, up for a long true. time. And Russ is about to go out of town for a couple days, so it's going to be even worse. And I'm about to do a few hours more work. And I, I, I have, have to do uh, laundry. And I'm getting up really good at Disneyland, you guys. I'll say Woo-hoo. hi to you guys from Disneyland. Excellent. Uh, I yeah, I... Uh, any any final thoughts? Anything else that we haven't touched on? I'm trying to. I, I'm sure that there is stuff we haven't. I'm touched sure on there because, is, but uh, I'm sure there is more. Yeah, like it. The I they weren't my favorite couple of episodes, but the stuff that I liked, I really really liked. The stuff that I didn't like yeah. was really really archy, and that's it. <laughs> and t- that's pretty much yeah. That's pretty much a perfect <laughs> synopsis uh, for me. Which sucks because KJ's well, acting is so much more on fire this year than it was last year. And yeah, that's not, no, and, absolutely. And that's not a knock against him last year. He was really good last year, but like 
he's he's he, really like, good. Of like everyone on the cast is great, but like it's so obvious how how much he's turned it up a notch this season. That like oh yeah, I love the work that he's doing. I just wish it was in a storyline I could bite into more. Yeah, no, agreed. And I, that's one of the things that we've been saying a lot this season. And, and like for me, for me, the thing about KJ is that last season you look at all four principles and you're just like, man, they are all really on, like they are on point. They are where you need them to be. And they were really compelling to watch and they were really good this season. KJ turned it up so much so fast that it was like, Oh, I didn't realize that he had that. Like he was good enough last season that I didn't realize he had that far to that. He could go. Yeah. He's killing it. Just, Kill it in better things. Kill it yeah. in better stories. Yeah, thank you. You can find me on the internet, on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Hayner, on Instagram at Waterworld Photos, on uh shit. That that's enough. <laughs> you can find me at ksitetv.com and a bunch of websites related to it. I'm also on Twitter at Riverdale TV for my Riverdale news. There you go. And you can find me on Twitter at Russ Burlingame. There you can find links to everything else I do, including the Emerald City Video Podcast and uh, the uh, Panel Discussions Comics Podcast, which the last few weeks we haven't really talked that much about podca- comics. We've been talking almost exclusively about Krypton. But, uh, yeah, so check it out. Check out my, my uh, like I said, my Twitter bio has links to everything else I do. So, I'll probably start simplifying this this outro to just be that. Yeah, click huh? links in my click links in my Twitter profile. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I have a link to all my writing on my Twitter profile. Listen, honestly, just look for my name written on things at IGN and GameSpot. That's easy. If it says my name on it, there's a good there's at least an eighty percent chance that it's written by me. Nice. True story. Or or someone pretending to be me, but whatever. Uh, you should like, rate, share, subscribe this uh, this podcast. Uh, we've we've actually it's funny. I've been getting a lot of new subscribers over the last couple of weeks, which is funny because we haven't actually made new episodes. Apparently, Maybe. all we have to do to get new people is just convince them that we're never coming back, and so then they they subscribe out of like, oh, well, I don't want to miss Maybe. it. Oh, uh, all right. Well, we'll but, see you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys in two months. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, probably, probably slightly before that because I feel like the musical episode is something that we should be we should be kind of timely on. Oh, I got but, thoughts. Uh, I got I got musical thoughts. I got a song in my soul. Tomorrow, I got a podcast about Krypton, and then I got a podcast about Psych, and then uh, on Tuesday, I will watch Riverdale, and we'll figure out a time that we can talk about it this week. And on a Kryptonian note, everybody should buy Action Comics issue one thousand on Wednesday. By good old boy uh, Brian Michael Bendis, yes, and Dan Jurgens, damn it, uh, yes, <laughs> it's 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 an anthology book. It's like it's a eighty page book that's basically ten eight page stories. I will say that it's funny that the two of you guys mentioned Dan and Bendis because the first story in the book is Jurgens, the last story in the book is Bendis. Nice. Uh, so you guys bookended it without knowing you had. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll see you in a couple days with A Night to Remember. Maybe. Who knows? Everything's our cheese.